Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we are on the last week of our series, Miracles. In the first week of this series, we looked at the first recorded miracle of Jesus at a wedding in Cana. Throughout the book of John, I've been telling you that the writer refers to the miracles that Jesus performs as signs. That's because miracles always point to something beyond themselves. Every miracle that Jesus performed, it pointed to something beyond the immediate need that Jesus was fixing. It's the way it always works. When God performs a miracle in your life, I can assure you it's something, it's for something even beyond that immediate need. And the miracle at the wedding in Cana, it was no exception because it pointed us towards the bridegroom, Jesus Christ being the the groom of of the bride of Christ. It also pointed us to the marriage supper of the Lamb that is to come. That first week we realized that even though there is a bigger picture, even though the signs, the miracles point to something beyond themselves, even though there is the bigger picture, God is concerned with every matter of your life. No matter how small or insignificant you think it may be, God is concerned with your situation no matter how big, how small. The second week, we looked at John chapter 4 and the events leading up to Jesus healing the royal official's son from 17 miles away. Jesus was not even in the vicinity, but 17 miles away, Jesus speaks and the the, the fever breaks in that moment. And I told you that one word from God will change your life. The result was not only a healed son, but the sign that, that, that was pointing beyond that was that the entire household of this royal official came to be believers. They began to believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And then last week, we looked at the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And besides the resurrection of Christ, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that caught the attention of all four Gospels. On that day, God used someone that others did not even count, a little boy. Women and children were not even counted that day. And God used someone that did not even count And he blessed something that was not enough. And I told you that when you can trust God with that something in your life that is not enough, that's when you will experience God miraculously multiplying it into something that will be more than enough. And today is the last week of miracles. Well, not the last week of miracles, but the last week of the series miracles, right? So I've been checking checking in on, on what it takes to become a saint. Not the professional football team, the Saints. And I'm not thinking about enrolling at at the college and becoming a Santa Fe Saint. I've been checking in on on what it, it means and what it takes to become part of the celestial community that the Catholic Church calls Saints. And just in case you're wondering, in case this is something that you want to know for yourself, I'm going to share what what these five aspects, what they look like. Here's what has to happen in order for you to become a saint. First of all, you must be dead. At least five years from what I understand. And and often it takes much longer than that. Second, you must be deemed a servant of God. That, That means that you lived your life serving God's kingdom. You, you live serving others. Third, There must be proof that you lived a heroic life. There must be uh, documentation that that your life was abnormally heroic, going above and beyond what a normal human being would do. 
Fourth, there must be a verified miracle. Um, these miracles must be performed after your death, which, which is just kind of mind-boggling when you think about that. But what that means is that someone prayed to you and you received that miracle. Now, I could go on and on there. It could probably put up a, a pretty good reason why that shouldn't happen. But, but never, nevertheless, that's, that's their verification. And so there has to be a verified miracle. In Mother Teresa's case, there was a woman in India that had an abdominal tumor. And, and the doctors had abandoned all hope of her recovery. They were basically leaving her to die. And on the one-year anniversary of Mother Teresa's death, they laid what they referred to as a miraculous medal, a miraculous medal that had happened to touch the body of Mother Teresa. And they laid it on this woman's stomach, and the tumor is, reportedly, uh, is reported to completely have disappeared. It just disappeared right before their eyes. And so there must be verified miracles in order for you to become a saint. And, and finally, the individual must be canonized after there is a second confirmed miracle. So just not one, but there has to be two confirmed miracles, and then you're eligible to be canonized to be a saint. Now, sharing this information with you today concerns me deeply. And I'll tell you why it concerns, why this concerns me so much. It's, it's because a few years ago, I realized that whenever I come to this platform and I share with you any hopes, dreams, and desires, that sometimes you take them very literally and then you want to help make that happen. Let me show you, tell you what happened. I stood up here one Sunday a few years ago and I told you, that I desired to hold the title of Lord, that I wanted to be known as Lord Rocky McKinley. And, and after I, I joked about that, there was a couple in our church, Joe and Casey Wheaton, that they went online and for around $33, they secured the title Lord for me. And it's true. It, it happened. I got all the documentation in the mail. Some of you have heard me share this before. And, and I, I'm now, I am now Lord Rocky McKinley of Hugon Manor in England. True. This is, some of you are looking at me like you've lost your mind. I have documentation to prove that. It's actually hidden in my office, but I have something that is framed in between two bookshelves just so that anybody that walks in, if one of, if one of our staff members walks in and they want to give me some lip, I can just point to it and say, don't forget. Don't forget who's Lord here, Okay. Lord Rocky McKinley of Hugon Manor, and they, they, they tell me, according to this documentation, that there is a, a five square feet plot, five square feet plot in Hugon Manor Estate in, in England, and, and it is dedicated to my honor. I can't do anything with it. I can't build a, a shack on top of it. I, I, I can't sell it. I can't do it. It's just dedicated to my honor, and they actually give you the coordinates of where this land is located. I will probably never be able to see it, but, it, but it's there. And I'll tell you what's the most impressive part of becoming a Lord, because I doubt any of you are Lords or ladies. Um, that was so mean, wasn't it? But um, what's the most impressive part is that I, it is legal. It is legal for me to use the coat of arms from Hugon Manor, uh, of, from Hugon Manor Estate. I can legally use the coat of arms and I can legally use the title Lord Rocky McKinley. So if I want to register for something and use the title Lord Rocky McKinley, my next flight, that's how I'm going to register. I've made up my mind, Lord Rocky McKinley. I just want to see if it gets me bumped to first class, see what happens. So with all of that said, let me be very clear. I want to be very clear. I, I, I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying today. I am not interested in becoming a saint. 
step one, you must be dead, okay? So I, I do not want you to help me achieve this at all, okay? I have no desire to become a saint. If, if you still have a problem believing in miracles, please understand this. That miracles are a sign that the kingdom of God is arriving in power. That's what miracles have always been. When Jesus performed miracles, they were signs that the kingdom of God was arriving in its power. And if you were to ask a, a New Testament apostle if the miracles of God have ceased, they would most likely answer you with, has the kingdom of God ceased? Have miracles ceased? Have, has the kingdom of God ceased? Does, does it not exist any longer? You see, the kingdom of God does not decrease until the return of Christ. The kingdom of God increases until the return of Christ. Acts 2 and 17 says, in the last days, God says these words, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And so as we get closer to the return of Christ, we should see an abundance of God's miracles working in our lives. During his earthly ministry, Jesus touched and transformed countless lives. We know that this, from, from reading the Gospels, that, that there's approximately 37 miracles that are recorded in the Gospels. I say approximately because uh, some of them may overlap some, but, but safely we can say that there's somewhere around 37 miracles that are recorded that Jesus performed. But we also know that, that he performed many more miracle, miracles than just the 37 recorded miracles. And we know this because of the book that we've been studying throughout this month in John chapter 21 and verse 25 right at the end of the book of John it, it says now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that could be written John stressed to us that there are many more signs and wonders performed by the hands of Christ he said that the world itself could not contain the books if all of these miracles were to be spelled out on ink and, and ink, and ink and paper. He said, you could not, the world would not be able to contain it. Now, it's, chances are, this is a hyperbole, that, that John is exaggerating somewhat, that surely not all the miracles that Jesus performed, if they were, if they were to be to, to, to be to be written down in books, that, that it would fill up the entire planet. But I got to thinking about this. Is not this world itself a miracle of God? When you start thinking about every drop in the ocean, that's a miracle from heaven. When you start thinking about every blade of grass, every insect, every leaf, everything that has been created, it is a gift from God. It is a miracle from heaven. And so he's probably right. The world cannot contain the miracles of God. There's no possible way. And whether it's an exaggeration or not, we know that Jesus performed many miracles. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14. As we close out this series, I think there's a very, very important uh, verse that I want us to, to focus on today. And here's what I need you to know about what we are about to read. We've, we've studied some great miracles throughout this month uh, of what Jesus did and, and his time and his earthly ministry here on earth. But it's important for you to understand that in this moment, what we're about to read, Jesus is about to be arrested and crucified. 
And so this is that swan song moment, man. This is that moment where he is going to, to just give the troops a pep rally. He's, he's got to put everything that's inside of him into them. And so Jesus says some very challenging words here. And I want you to hear what he says, starting at verse 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. <clears throat> and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Just stop just for a moment. This past week, I was having a conversation with a very respected community leader. And uh, it was a great conversation. And during our conversation, I could sense that they, they were on that bandwagon of all roads lead to heaven. I, I could tell that uh, just through what they were saying, that, that as long as a person is good, it doesn't matter what the, who they call God. Um, that is, it's their lifestyle that really matters and, and e eventually we all end up in the same place. And as we were having a great conversation, I heard this and I just stopped, stopped this community leader and I said, please, please listen to me, listen to me. I've agreed with everything you've said up until this point, but I need you to understand that according to my Bible, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I will respect other religions. I will. I, I will show them the respect. But, sir, you need to realize that I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. And I don't care. You may have a coexist bumper sticker on your car or, or what, whatever that looks like in your world. But you need to know today that the only way to God the Father, the only way to eternity in heaven, and the only way is Jesus Christ. He said it right here. He made it very plain right before his death. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me? Philip Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I I'm going to the Father. I want us to focus this morning on verse 12. For the rest of this service, that will be our focus verse. Truly, truly, listen to what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. This is one of those verses in the Bible that is perplexing. This is one of those verses in the Bible that just leaves you scratching your head because you want to believe it, or maybe you don't want to believe it. Maybe it just completely catches you off guard and you're like, surely this is a misprint. 
I didn't read what, what I think I just read. Because Jesus did some amazing things. We know that. And most of us in the room, we believe that. We believe Jesus did some amazing things. He opened blinded eyes. He multiplied food to feed thousands. He caused the lame to walk. He healed various diseases. Jesus raised the dead. Lazarus was in a tomb. Had been dead four days when Jesus called him forth out of that tomb. And they had to remove the stone and they had to cut off his grave clothes and Lazarus was alive. Jesus did this. There was once when a, a woman was, was burying her son and, and they were bringing the, the body by. The funeral processional was coming by. Jesus stops the processional. And he heals the young man, brings him back to life. These are some, some great works, mighty signs. And then Jesus makes this statement. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. And so it leads me to this question. Is it really possible for us to do not only the works that Jesus did, but greater works than he did? Is this really possible? I'm not the only one. You're wondering that too. Is it really possible that we can do greater things than what the Son of God did, the Messiah? God in the flesh, is it possible that we can do greater things than he did? I mean, this kind of feels sacrilegious when you think about it. I mean, just reading it out loud, I'm, I'm wondering if I need to kind of, you know, duck and cover. Is there a lightning bolt from heaven about to take me out? Just to think that I can put myself on that level? That I might be able to do greater things than what Jesus did? Greater works than what he did? How presumptuous is this? But you cannot forget that the words are in red. This was not a, a prophet that was saying this for Jesus. Paul's not writing in the New Testament and pinning these words for him. No, Jesus says these words. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. And so in order for us to understand this, we must break this verse down. First of all, whoever believes in Jesus will also do the works that he did. You see, church, this is a promise to all believers, not just the apostles, because Jesus said these words, whoever believes in me, whoever. There's no exclusion here. This is not just for pastors. It's not just for ministers. This isn't just for missionaries. This isn't just for evangelists. This isn't just for saints. That whoever believes in Jesus. We have seen these words before. Jesus has, has said those words many times because he would say things like this. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. He would say, whoever believes in me from his heart will flow living water. He would say, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He would say, Whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. And so we know that 
when you believe in Jesus and you believe in his resurrection power, that it has the ability to change lives. Next, you will do what he did, not better than he did. And I think that's where it messes us up. Jesus was very plain. You will do what I did. Because it's hard to beat walking on water. Anybody ever tried to walk on water? I did. I tried. I honestly, I really did. I was young, but I did try. And I thought, God, you, you can make this happen. And, and, I, and I stepped off the dock. The water was high, and I stepped off the dock. And you won't believe what happened. I sank. Epic fail. Didn't, nobody was there to watch, but it was okay. It's hard to do better than that, right? It's hard to take a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, multiply them, and feed thousands. It's hard to do that, isn't it? How do you top that? How do you top raising somebody from the dead? I mean, if, if that happens, you're all fans. If you know someone that, that raises someone from the dead, I mean, this, this is incredible. How do you do better than that? And Jesus said, and greater works than these will he do. And I think the problem is in the translation. Greater. It's the Greek word megas. It means wider. More in abundance. Let me show you what I mean by this. It's a lot of pressure for me to look at my son and to tell him, son, in this life, you're going to do more than I've done. It's a lot of pressure for me to put on him. It, it, it would be tough for me to look at my daughter and say, um, you are going to accomplish more than what your dad has accomplished in life. It's just a lot of pressure to put on a child. But I know, and I can say this beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I can say this. I know that my children would do greater works than I do. I know that. It's factual. I, I can prove this to you. They will do greater works than I will do. Why? Because they're twins. There's two of them. And there's one of me. Two are always better than one. You ever had a Twix candy bar? Two are always better than one, right? Amen. When you get the Reese's cups, if somebody else already ate one of them, two are always better than one, right? And with my kids, I know this, I know this. They will accomplish more because two can accomplish more than one. They will travel twice as many miles as their dad will travel. They will meet twice as many people as, as I have met. They will make probably at least twice as much money than I've made. They will accomplish more than what their father has accomplished. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. This is scriptural, it works. Jesus, he didn't, he didn't have an ego trip. There wasn't anything here that was threatening to him because he knew where that power was coming from. When he looked at his disciples and said, you will do greater things, he knew that he was the one that would be supplying that power because 
He said, I've got to go to the Father. And when Jesus gets to the Father after his ascension and he gets to the Father, the Holy Spirit is released upon the believers and they begin to do miraculous signs and and miracles follow them. Why did the word spread so quickly? Why did people want to know who Jesus was after he had ascended to the Father? It's because The Holy Spirit empowered them and the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus himself. And so he knew where this power was coming from. And he knew there would be more, greater works, more. You'd be wider, greater in abundance. You will do greater things, greater works. Jesus and his earthly ministry He was confined to a relatively small geographic area. It's believed that Jesus did not travel outside of a 100-mile radius from where he was born. That's hard for us to fathom, isn't it? That that he never went 100 miles outside of where he was born. And and sure, he he performed some miraculous signs, but then Jesus, he put his power in, in in the hands of those believers, and then he began to send them out. I really wanted Caleb and Kendall to be here today. It, it just would have worked out perfect. And Kendall's at college in, in Tennessee. And, and Caleb is traveling today with the men's basketball team from UF. And that is simply just a proud father just giving a little plug right there. That's all it was. A, but it really would have been great if, I, um, if I'd have had them here to show you this. So I'm going to have to have some people in, in proxy today, if you don't mind. And Deanna, will you be my Kendall today? that all right? I miss you. I miss you. It's good to see you. Thanks for being my Kindle. I need a Caleb today. Where's my Colby? Colby, come be my Pastor Colby. Come here, buddy. You look sharp, man. I love the haircut. Looking good, man. You be my Caleb today? Yes, sir. Good, man. Now, here's what I want you guys to do. I have now touched your life, okay? I want you to go and touch one other person's life, and I want you to bring them to me, okay? Go. Colby, we've got family fest today, man. (laughs) Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Let's go. You went halfway back to pick a guy on the second row. You touched his life and you brought him to me, right? You touched his life and you brought him to me, right? Now I want to send you guys out. Go. Go get someone and bring them. Just go get someone. Go. Go. You. You. Go. Sinner, get up. Don't reject the call of... You reject the call of the Lord? You see what I did there? Good job, man. Good job. Some of them are just not heads, and you have to convince them to come along. It's okay. Go. Go get me more. Go. 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 Quickly. Go. 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 Act like you're excited about this calling on your life. Go get them. Bring them to me. That was as good. Now we're getting a little color in our family here, aren't we? Man, we got, got two of them there. This is good stuff, man. Now go, go, go get me more. Go, go, hurry, hurry. Get excited. 
Right, go get me some more. Go, hurry, 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 hurry. Go, go, go. Come on, Marcus. Come on, Marcus. Okay, go, go. Go get me some more. Hurry, go, go. Hurry, get back up here quickly, quickly, quickly. Everybody. We've, we've watched you play dodgeball, sir. You're not going to get picked. Now go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all stay. Sorry for those of you that were not selected. You see what Jesus meant? We'll do greater things just because he empowered the body of Christ. Jesus knew that the body of Christ would reach more than the person of Christ. And the person of Christ and, and God incarnate, he was, he was flesh. And so he would walk to, to, to one person and he would say, take up your bed and, and walk. And he would just change this one person's life. He would go to somebody else and he would open their blinded eyes and he would change their life. But he was one man. One man, God in man, but he was one man. And he said, you're going to do greater things because I'm going to empower the body of Christ. And when I empower the body of Christ and pour my spirit out on them, it will spread like wildfire and you will see miracles take place and you will see lives changed and it will happen quicker. It will happen faster. It's going to happen in your lives. Thank you. Give yourselves a hand and you can go back to your seat. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, we have been empowered, church, to bring him glory. Matthew 5 and 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, there is this world that is waiting outside these walls and they're waiting to see God glorified. And when God is glorified, they will believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they're waiting for this moment. And what would happen if we just started believing and praying? You don't think God wants to do some miraculous signs that, that point to the coming of Christ? As we usher in his kingdom, he wants to do some great and mighty things. He did it then. He's doing it now. We just have to tap into that. We just want to be a part of that. We can't say that God is omnipotent all-powerful, and then believe like he is impotent. And that's my fear sometimes, is that we talk a good game, but when's the last time you actually laid hands on someone and expected them to be healed? When's the last time that you prayed 
You say, God, I know, I know you can do this. And walked away from that prayer expecting God to do it. I just don't want to talk about his power. I want to experience his power. I want to be a part of what God is doing in humanity. And God will do whatever it takes to pull them to the cross of Jesus Christ. Miracles are signs. They will always point beyond the immediate need. But imagine what happens to a, to a disbelieving world when suddenly they see Jesus and his miracle-working power working through the body of Christ. Imagine what that looks like. During January, we have our consecrate services here on Wednesday nights. And it's just a, a time for the, the church to come together and, and we, we want to get deeper start the new year off right and we have worship services right here in this room on Wednesday nights and I remember this this one Wednesday night this past January we had a powerful powerful time with God worship man it was it was it was terrific just such a, a such a presence of the Holy Spirit was just in this room we had the word and and then we had some prayer time and I remember standing here and I was this, this overwhelming feeling came over me and I knew it was God. And he was telling me to pray for a specific group of people in our church that needed a great move of God in their lives. They needed a miracle. And the service was winding down and, and I felt like, you know, people, people want to go and get their kids. They don't want to be delayed anymore. And to be honest with you, I really, really thought, what if I asked them to come up and we pray and nothing happens? Because I knew these people. I personally knew of these people that were going to come forward. And, and I didn't want to break their hearts. They've already been through so much. I did not want to be that guy. And so I stepped off this platform and I went to that chair. Pastor Andrew comes up to close out the service and he's giving some closing thoughts and, and he won't shut up. He just keeps on going. And I'm thinking, man, just in this service, in this service, I've got this overwhelming feeling that I'm supposed to pray for somebody. And he just keeps talking. And about that time, Mandy, she leans over to me. I hate it when God sounds a lot like Mandy. <laughs> And she leans over to me and she says, Rocky, I think we're supposed to pray for people who are having a hard time conceiving and having children. And it was... It was exactly what God had told me standing right here. I disobeyed God. And he confirmed it through my wife. And I knew I had no choice. And so I walked up and I interrupted Pastor Andrew and I said, can I please say something? And 
I looked out through this congregation on that Wednesday night. And I explained to them, God is ready to perform a miracle. And if you're having a hard time conceiving and carrying that child to birth, I want you to come forward. And there were four different homes that responded that night. One of those couples, their names are Alex and Lindsay Rodriguez. This was in January. This past Thursday, they welcomed little Eva to the world, their newborn baby. This has nothing to do with me. Please understand that. As a matter of fact, in spite of me, God still performed a miracle. I've struggled even to share that today, and the reason why is because there were other homes that were standing in front of me, and we have yet to see anything change in that situation. Isn't that our fear? That God, if we pray a prayer of faith and, and if, if, we, if we put our necks out on the line, God, and you don't come through, what's it going to look like, God? I'm going to look foolish. I'm going to get their hopes up. And what God has taught me is that when I approach a prayer that way, I'm acting like I'm God. Like it all depends on me. That if I do this and it doesn't happen, then they're going to be disappointed in me. And then I get scared. I'm like, okay, if I do it and, and they're not disappointed in me, then they're going to be disappointed in God. Can I tell you something? God has been dealing with humanity since he created humanity. He knows how to deal with all of our disappointments. He knows how to deal with all of our mishaps and our miscarriages. But he can also take a situation where he chooses in that moment to bless one couple and build the faith in others who are praying the same prayer. Why God does it sometimes and not other times, that's none of my business. I just have to be faithful to pray when he says to pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.